This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. I don't think I've met a farmer yet who hasn't had a great idea that solves a problem, whether it's a bit of ingenuity in the workshop or the design of a whole new machine that can turn accepted farming practice on its head. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. The difference between the inventor farmer of say 10 or 15 years ago and today's innovator is the increased opportunity to take something thought about in a paddock 50Ks from anywhere out to the world's investors. And that increased opportunity is manifested in GrowAg, a unique online platform that introduces Australian agri-food research to a global audience of potential collaborators in product development or indeed partners in capital investment. Today on AgriFutures On Air, we get to listen in to a conversation between two well-credentialed people in the agri-food tech arena, talking about the place that growag.com can occupy in Australian R&D and its adoption around the world. Ariana Sapel is AgriFutures Senior Manager, GrowAg. Ariana has a strong background in agri-food tech, having worked for the past 12 years with the Australian Trade and Investment Commission, most recently as the Ag Tech Lead and Senior Advisor for Investment in Agribusiness and Food. And Sarah Nolet is the co-founder of Tenacious Ventures, which is Australia's first dedicated agri-food tech venture capital firm. So her take on GrowAg is valuable. Sarah is also the CEO of Agthentic, a global food and agriculture strategy business. Ariana started off the conversation asking Sarah how she formed her views on investment strategies. Yeah, so we're an early stage venture capital fund. Uh, we invest at the seed and series A into agri-food tech startups that are helping agriculture transition to a carbon neutral and climate change resilient future. And so that's a ton of areas across uh, Australian agriculture predominantly, looking at robotics and automation, looking at novel food production systems, sustainable protein, and a whole range of other really exciting areas. And so it's truly both you know, doing good and doing well. And that's what our investors across tech and agribusiness and impact are really excited about. What other things do you look for in your investees? You know, what are some of the drivers or, or mm. key kind of pieces you're looking for when you're yeah. checking out investees? So we think about the opportunity and the company and the deal. And opportunity are some of those big areas I was mentioning before, but also things like, is the market big enough? And who are the competitors? And what's the global landscape looking like? Because we need to know that we're looking at a, a big enough market, but also that the company is not just locally best, but also going to be able to succeed globally. And then we look at the company, and so that's the team, the background of the founders, which sometimes they come from on-farm, and sometimes they come from on-farm and, and leave and come back, or sometimes they bring totally different perspectives into the industry with backgrounds in finance or advanced technologies and they're coming into agriculture for different reasons and so we really look at that team do they have the capability to execute uh, as well as a great and defensible idea and a business model that's going to realize that idea because what we've seen and I think this has been one of the challenges in Australia is there can be a lot of focus on the technology itself and on the IP or on the research and not enough on the business model that's going to get it into the hands of farmers and 
And that's really what we look for in that team and that entrepreneur is how are they going to have that impact on the value chain and, and capture that value uh, as they grow the company. And then the final part is the deal, things like valuation and terms and, and mechanics like that. So we take that kind of three lens approach with the team being probably the most important. And look, certainly that impact and that sort of realizing that commercial opportunity is why we've put Greg together in the first place. Just picking up on what you're saying about different business models, I think you know business models and business model innovation is so key to actually realizing different ways of commercializing some of the research that people have you know put their heart and soul into, and that it has such great potential. Just thinking about those business models, but also other innovations in commercialization pathways. Is there anything you might add in terms of you know how people might think about that for themselves? Mm. You know, they've they've developed something and they're thinking about how do I go and yeah. take this to the world? I think that's one of the exciting parts about GrowAg is we're starting to open up the range of possibilities that are on people's mind to say, all right, I've invested in this research, or I've completed this research, but now what? How could I actually take the next step? And this whole world of startups or commercialization pathways or impact pathways is now available. And GrowAg is a tool to help people showcase the research and find partners with whom they can navigate those new pathways. So I think it's partially awareness and partially these connections and collaboration, because like we were saying before, it's actually about the team. And so finding those other people who share that interest and maybe you're bringing together a technical or scientific skill set with an entrepreneurial one or with the power of a distribution channel or other kinds of collaborations that can actually make sure the research and technology has an impact as it gets to market. Certainly that opportunity and that power of collaboration is something we see as being really you know, exciting about GRAG. That opportunity for researchers also to, to look in and see who's doing something that is similar or you know, are there parallel paths or parallel opportunities, other groups I could be collaborating with you know, and see where, where those pathways lie and, and you know, start forming some of those opportunities. One of the other reasons that we've put GRAG together is you know, there is a real appetite here in Australia for innovation and certainly great opportunities to collaborate internationally to bring solutions to market and to find you know, new ways of solving things, whether it's through a business model or through a technology or other innovation itself. Are there any particular areas that you see as being you know, right for that Australian international collaboration mm. piece. Yeah, one thing I think is, is exciting is we have so much research here, but it's quite hard to figure out where to look and who's doing what and where would you go if we are doing diligence on a deal and we need to find an expert in some kind of advanced microbial technology or who knows about extrusion in plant-based proteins as we look at the future. And so GrowEye will help us to find those experts and connect with those researchers. And it might be that we find investment opportunities, collaboration opportunities, or it might be that we just unlock the knowledge that's in our research system that has otherwise been kind of behind closed doors and hidden in research papers. So I think that's a real use case both for investors like us and, and our co-investors, but also for farmers who want to understand what research has been out there or industry partners of all different sizes who want to find those experts and kind of unlock that innovation. I think that's a real powerful use case we'll see with GrowAg. Yeah, no, I agree. Certainly, you know, thinking about different companies around Australia, certainly, and they have from time to time engaged with RDCs and tapped into some of the research that's been happening. You know, I know, for instance, Escovox partnered with the University of Tasmania and MLA to look at some shelf life stability modelling, and they've been able to, you know, increase shelf life stability for red meat so that they're able to use different types of transport and logistics and less waste 
less ways to create a value returned. You know, certainly the opportunity for startups and scale-ups and corporates as well to be able to tap into it and see what are the opportunities for me to differentiate and diversify my offer to users, to my existing clients, I think is, is going to be one of the really exciting things. I think also the potential for entrepreneurs looking for their next great thing is there'll be a pool of things to, to take a look at. And, you know, I would certainly imagine that you know, the entrepreneurs would be looking not just at things that are, you know, identified as commercial opportunities where people are saying, hey, we really want to engage, but, you know, they'll also be looking through the research projects and seeing, you know, what can I take and what can I approach with a different lens? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I see that, you know, perhaps someone else hasn't? Yeah, I think going back to the impact point before, there's so much talent out there that is now post-COVID and just generally in the world thinking about climate, wanting to get into areas that will have an impact that will be good for the world. And agriculture is such a ripe area for doing that, you know, solving climate change, feeding the future, sustainable environments. It's a super exciting area, attracting all kinds of talent. But where do you start if you come in from another background? And so we think often, you know, oh, there's this research on the shelf and this entrepreneur will find it and they'll just commercialize it. It's, it's not that easy, as we know. <laughs> and if it was, you know, I think we'd, we'd live in a different world. But what's really exciting is being able to say, okay, what problems have have been solved? What has the research shown and how could I take that to the next step? And starting to narrow in on those areas and those experts, because like you said, those researchers might become collaborators or partners on the IP, but also just on the knowledge that they've unlocked in having studied the sector for maybe decades in some cases, where we say, okay, now there's this real opportunity to combine that with an entrepreneurial skill set and bring it to market. And without something like GrowAg, that's been really, really hard to do. Over the last five years, certainly, and, and really over the last two, we've seen agri-food tech innovation in Australia ramp up and the, the ecosystem really you know, start to hum with a lot of life. Why do you think this is? I mean, there's been so much investment over time into agriculture and agri-food in Australia. And you know, in a way, agriculture really is part of Australian psyche. You know, it's such a big part of how we think of Australia. But why do you think it's now? Why is it now that it's really mm. starting to hum? Part of it is ag tech and agri-food innovation is a global trend that was sort of kicked off in the last decade or so and started, you know, around the world, but especially in places that had a lot of venture capital activity and funding that could come in to fuel those startups and those pathways that were really familiar in some ecosystems. What I think has happened in Australia is over the last five years, we've started to say, wait, why not us too? We're really good at agriculture. We're really good at agricultural research. And yet we're not seeing those commercial outcomes. Our startups are going offshore. And so there's been a whole group of people, including the Australian Agritech Association, who've said, why don't we develop that strength here and be a world leader in agri-tech onshore. And so we've had a range of accelerator and incubator programs, now venture capital funds like Tenacious Ventures, starting up to say, we've got really good deal flow, we've got really good foundations, and not for anything, Australian farmers are incredibly innovative. And especially in the last few years, they've faced some really tough conditions and have had to innovate. So we've got this kind of merging of trends and factors that has really said, the time is now, Australia is the place, and we finally have the building blocks in the ecosystem where we can take some of these things forward and start to punch on, on a, above our weight on a global scale. No, absolutely. And to that point, I think, you know, the Australian agricultural sector is so hungry and has such an appetite for innovation uh, because that's really where we've seen the productivity growth. That's where we've seen our ability to compete on a global stage. Certainly, you know, Australia exports two thirds of what we produce. And so we have to be competitive in those global markets. And in order to do that, we're looking at innovation. We're looking at you know, really novel solutions across the whole of the pipeline of from agriculture all the way through to the plate and supply chain in between. There's so much appetite. And I think also 
that diversity of geography and climactic zones across Australia. We, you know, we grow just about everything, so there's so much um, innovation on so many different areas. It's you know, ramping up. That's right. I think that's really what I meant by the building blocks, that we've got this you know, counter-seasonal testing environment, we've got different climatic zones, we've got really innovative farmers who are willing to test and trial technologies, and we've got this research capability. And finally, now we're able to bring it together and start to see some of that activity and see some of these successes, not only in building innovations that help Australian farmers be more productive and efficient and reach the $100 billion target, which is absolutely key, but also commercialize in their own right and start to build this own separate and independent but highly related agri-tech economy of, of startups that are bringing our innovation and research to the world and showing that stuff originated in Australia can help other countries be clean, green and efficient and productive and profitable, which is also really exciting. One of the many hats that you wear <laughs> has been in that accelerator space and has been in working with groups, whether they're you know, farmers with a great idea or whether they're you know, startups looking to take that through to an actual product and service that has great market traction. You've also worked with RDCs. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like in Australia? And certainly I always hear a lot about innovators in Australia have good product market fit and have good, you know, sort of the mud on the, the boots factor. Mm. One of the really unique and exciting things about Australia is how the industry is set up. So we have these different research and development corporations who collectively through Farmgate levies and a contrib contribution from the federal government fund you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of agricultural research every year. And that gives us this really great foundation to start with. But we also need involvement of those farmers through that RDC system and through programs like Farmers to Founders and regional innovation hubs that we're seeing more and more of to kind of bring together the boots on the ground perspective with the technical and scientific perspective and make sure we're doing really good science, really great technology, but also that it matters for a farmer. And I think that that's uniquely Australian in some ways, that we have these innovations that have been ground tested and that farmers who aren't highly subsidized and are facing really tough climatic conditions and need to export to markets want to use and are adopting. And that gives a really unique stamp of approval that is a real competitive advantage in Australia. Absolutely. Governments and also user groups around Australia are also looking at, you know, how do we increase adoption? How do we get more out of these solutions? How can we verify and validate what things can do and how they operate in conditions in this neck of the woods. You know, certainly that's also something that's really driving adoption, I think, at the moment. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And we're seeing more involvement at the state level, at the federal level, but also at the local level, which is absolutely so important, whether it's farming systems groups or local economic development organizations or grassroots kind of hubs and co-working spaces and incubators that are popping up to accelerate this innovation and connect maybe traditionally city-based tech startup people with boots on the ground, really know the value chain, ag innovators. And it's through those kind of translation functions and localized support systems that we can really build technologies and innovations that will have an impact rather than just kind of sit in a lab somewhere and don't actually move the needle for the industry. Thinking back about that explosion and the rapid growth that we've seen here in Australia and that real connectivity of the Australian ecosystem with international hubs around the world, um, we've certainly seen, I think, a real growth of the investment ecosystem as well to match that. You know, you've obviously had first-hand viewing of that, but you know, thinking back to five years ago, the people who were, were investing into Australian agri-tech startups were, you know, they were fintech investors or they were SaaS investors and 
the companies happen to be focused on, on ag applications. Now I think we're really seeing both funds and standalone VCs who have agri-food tech as their core focus. Mm. And certainly a lot of those other groups are focusing more and more and really you know, striking a clear thematic around that space. Mm. What's your experience been? Yeah, I would say five years ago, especially and even three years ago, we were just starting to see the early stage ecosystem maturing, so accelerator and incubator programs that always were interested in ag and food but maybe didn't understand the business models or were a bit nervous about hardware. And then we had a number of dedicated agri-food tech accelerator programs pop up like SproutX and Spark Labs Cultivate and Grow Lab and Harvest, you know, so many amazing programs dedicated to this sector. And that's really improved the deal flow. But then you get this challenge where investors go, oh, which startup should I invest in? And I don't really know the sector. And again, maybe I'm nervous about hardware, or biologicals. And as we've matured, we've seen more dedicated interest in the space that's created co-investment opportunities. So we're a specialist firm in the space, the only one still, but we're seeing more and more interest to co-invest with us and to co-invest with other sector experts who might be angels or might be funds who've done deep dives into agri-food tech. And that co-investment landscape and building those kind of partnerships is starting to unlock even more innovation. And those partnerships are onshore with other funds or corporates, but also offshore with venture capital firms overseas or multinational investors who might be able to then help those Australian innovations kind of go global and, and succeed as they raise more money. So having that early stage ecosystem and then increasingly the sector expertise here is one of the unlock codes, as well as the co-investors who have platforms like GrowAg to then know how to navigate into Australia and find those collaborators and co-investors. Certainly there's a really exciting pool here now, I think, of potential co-investors that groups from anywhere around the world, you know, whether they're domestic groups who are wanting to explore and partner with someone who understands the sector and understands where the growth trajectories are both locally and internationally, but also with some of those international groups who you know, have been coming in and traveling and visiting and so on. Certainly pre-COVID, we saw a lot of visits and a lot of repeat visits and you know, people setting up scouts and hubs here in Australia or you know, accelerators themselves. And I think as we go through this time, you know, that opportunity to know that there's someone you know, locally who can you know, have that hands-on approach is really important. Yeah, I mean, Australia is far away from most countries. And so having a local trusted partner, whether it's a scout or a fund like ours to co-invest with, can be really important in unlocking those partnerships, which we're starting to see more and more of. Fantastic. Thanks very much for being with us, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited about the initiative. Sarah Nollett from Tenacious Ventures, an agri-food tech venture capital business, in conversation with Ariana Sapel, who is AgriFutures Senior Manager at Grow Ag. And if you haven't already, click through to growag.com to get your thinking around this new resource that takes Australian research right out there to the world. My name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.